often we just think about hackers and stealing things and ransomware. But if, if you're an e-commerce website and hackers take down your website for a day, that could lose you millions of dollars. That's a security issue as well. And I think sometimes we forget about that. Hello and welcome to Pod Rocket. Today I'm here with Sarah Young, who is a cloud security advocate at Microsoft. How are you, Sarah? I'm good, thanks. Uh, and yourself, how are you doing? I am uh, also doing well, and um, I'm really excited for this episode. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, you know, I spend most of my time in kind of the front end product world, and I hear a lot about kind of the state of the art in security. I get a lot of, uh, you know, emails from security companies. I know Microsoft and Google and Amazon are all building tons of security tools, but I feel like I don't have like a super strong understanding of like, what does security look like in kind of the modern cloud stack and like how, and, you know, I, I talk to a lot of friends, other developers and like even folks who are like a bit more backend focused often feel like they just don't kind of, there's so much out there and they don't know how to kind of know what's important. Um, so I was hoping today we could kind of talk through some of that and you could teach myself and our audience um, a lot more about uh, security overall. Can definitely try, uh, but yeah, there's a, it's a big space, a lot of things to do. So it's, it's understandable that, that people can, uh, you know, not know where to start or um yeah just just don't know what's going on because it's a big it's a big topic yeah and so maybe what we could do is kind of talk through through like the the microsoft and the, the azure lens like what are kind of the suite of products you have and like why is each of those important to be thinking about when you're looking to secure your entire cloud application Oh yeah, um, we can try now. It's um, there's a lot of products in there. Um, I mean, um, how much time do you have? <laughs> um, but uh. <laughs> but I mean, I guess um, maybe coming at it more from um, you know the modern security perspective, because um, like I said, we probably would be here a very long time if I discussed everything in cloud. Um, but I think in looking at modern security, um, you need to, I think there's a couple of key principles to keep in mind, which is you need to have tools that understand modern um, uh, hybrid deployments. Because uh, the reality is, and when I say hybrid, I mean on-prem and in the cloud and maybe across multiple clouds, because the reality is that most organizations will have that sort of uh, that sort of setup. Now, if you're a very modern, brand new company and you happen to have been fortunate enough to be born in cloud, then maybe you, you won't need that. But let's face it, most organizations do. So, you know, I think um, before even talking about specific Microsoft products, you, you need to um, be looking at, because um, I, I personally, um, as you can, I, I come from very engineering consulting background. So I like to talk about more about capabilities than specific products. So you need to have tools that have the capability to be able to monitor, um, you know, everything 
in a modern um, environment. So as I said, cloud, on-prem, et cetera. So um, it's, it's important that um, everyone's, you know, going cloud first. And again, it doesn't matter what cloud it is. Uh, obviously, I'd love you to go put things in Azure, but um, it, it doesn't matter what cloud it is from a security perspective. You need to have tools that are aware and capable of looking at things. So, you know, all these modern developments like you know, we need to secure our DevOps pipeline. We need to secure infrastructure as code. Uh, we need to secure PaaS services platform as a service. That All of these things, it doesn't matter what uh, what uh, cloud you're using or what, what, what applications you have that's the capabilities that you need so so i think it's it's when you're when you're just getting started that's a really important place to start even before talking about any tools at all and that was a big long rant where i didn't talk about a single uh <laughs> i didn't talk about a single uh product yet but i'll take a breath for a second but does does, does that make sense ben yeah definitely and i think like to to make things like more concrete, like maybe we could drill down to some of those. So like DevOps, like what should folks be thinking about in terms of um, security from a, you know, a DevOps perspective? If, if, if someone has like very little in place today, like what are the key things to put in place there? Yeah. So um, with, with DevOps, it's uh, if, if you're, if you're DevOps is, oh, it's, so obviously putting security in DevOps is DevSecOps and there's, it's, and, and it's still, you know, a relatively new concept as we know. So there's no like concrete industry standards that have been around, but generally, you know, some of the things that we're looking at is, uh, you know, you want to be securing your pipeline and you want to make sure that um, people can't the 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 say the the images you're pulling from that they're secure. Say it's a container, you need your container repo to be secure. Um, you need to make sure that the actual pipeline that you're um, deploying with is secured. So that's in terms of identity, who can access it, what they can put in it, because there have been attacks where people inject things into the pipeline. So not before the pipeline pulls it in, but actually whilst it's being deployed. So you have to make sure there are these, these kind of tools and checks. So it, it's really important that you, um, that you have security built in at every single step. And I think that's something that, um, not everyone considers. And also when, uh, I think the thing that we forget in DevOps, I, I think people talk about the securing things as, as we go along through the pipeline more frequently than after you've deployed things, how are you checking when we do iterative, um, uh, sort of when we do iterative, when we're maintaining it, how do we keep it secure in there? What monitoring are we doing? I think in my experience, that's the piece that people forget at the end, uh, that after you've deployed something, you need to make sure that it stays in the same state. You know, it's keeping, it's not, someone doesn't go in and change the configuration, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, what we have, um, Microsoft land is, in fact, it was only recently announced at Ignite a couple of weeks ago, is Defender for DevOps. Um, as you probably know, if you've, um, you've been in Microsoft security land, we have a lot of products called Defender for blah. Um, so it can get a little bit confusing sometimes if they're new because Defender for this, Defender for that, Defender for, um, it does make sense if you sit down and have a look at it. And we do have a really cool, um, 
cybersecurity reference architecture that shows how all those those things fit together. Um, you can find it at aka.ms slash M-C-R-A. Um, it was written by my very amazing colleague, Mark Simos. Um, and it is, it's very busy, but it basically shows you how everything in Microsoft security land fits together. And it's a good thing to probably, I don't know, stick on your wall or something. Um, but yeah, um, like I said, Microsoft has many, many products that sort of go end to end through the various different parts of your environment. Um, I know I've talked about Defender for DevOps, but um, there's a lot of that, which is, uh, well, unsurprisingly, it's for DevOps. So um, certainly if you're a developer, that's a good place to start. The other thing that's good for, for DevOps is guardrails. We talk a lot about guardrails um, in securing DevOps. So um, for guardrails, what we mean is um, basically um, controls in place that stop people doing very silly things in your environment. Because one of the big challenges about shifting left and moving to DevOps is essentially security have to let go of the checking every single tiny change made in the environment. And that's a huge psychological shift for a security person because inherently we don't trust anyone to do anything right. And the idea of letting, giving, trusting developers to do the right thing or trusting anyone to do the right thing is, is goes against sort of 20, 25 years of previous security working practice. So um, guardrails are a way of, you know, stopping really bad things happening. So to give a really simple example, um, and all the cloud providers provide tools that can do this in Azure, it's called Azure Policy. But to give a super simple example of this, um, you can configure a policy that says, do not deploy to Europe. You know, do not, you cannot deploy in this region. Now, that's a really straightforward example, um, because of course, or it might be you're in Europe and because of GDPR, you ha you can only deploy in Europe. You cannot go to other geographies because you're actually breaching regulations. So you can make a policy that says you can only deploy to these regions. And if somebody tries to deploy to somewhere else that's not specified in your allowed list, it will stop them. Um, now, policy can get way, way, way more complicated than that. Um, and it can do some very clever things. Uh, so if, if someone deletes something, it can redeploy it. There's, there's all kinds of crazy cool things you can do to keep environments um, quite secure. And it's not even a secure thing, actually. It's partly a security thing, but it's actually also a compliance, um, an, an operations, a consistency piece. So, and that's not even a paid for tool. I, I believe all of the cloud providers have something along those lines um, that, that's actually free because, um, uh, as I said, it's, uh, um, it's, it's really important and, and it's a straightforward way to start in DevOps. Yeah, and I feel like that's, it, it's an important kind of distinction or call out there that like security is not just like preventing hackers from breaching your systems, right? It's about like having the right processes and tool and kind of workflows and compliance in place to prevent your team from accidentally making mistakes or doing the wrong thing. And those two sides kind of go hand in hand in terms of like hardening your system from, from the outside versus like preventing mistakes on the inside and um, making sure you have the right strategy for both is, is very important. Totally. Um, for those people who have done any kind of security study or the, the theory, you'll probably be, 
well, hopefully you'll be familiar with the CIA triad, which is confidentiality, integrity, and availability. Uh, they are the, the the main things that you're trying to protect in security. But often, as you said, we think about, we just think about hackers and stealing things and ransomware. But in fact, um, even the availability piece. So if, if, if hackers, if you're an e-commerce website and hackers take down your website for a day, that could lose you millions of dollars. Like that's a security issue as well. And I think sometimes we forget about that and the, and the media doesn't, um, doesn't always uh, remember there's, there's other aspects to security. Yeah, for sure. And you've talked a lot about zero trust principles in the past um, on some of your talks that I, I, we were looking at. Um, so can you tell us a bit more about like, what is zero trust principles and, um, yeah, why does that matter? Yeah, so zero trust is a funny one because zero trust as a concept has been around for a while now, but it's um, for a number of years it was really a buzzword. I'm going to be honest with you, it was a buzzword used by vendors. It didn't really mean anything; it just like sounded good. Um, but then, you know, when when people heard it too many times, you know, you would see people roll their eyes a little bit. Um, whereas now, in the last few years, um, the maturity it, it has become more than a buzzword. So, don't don't roll your eyes if you hear the word zero trust nowadays. Um, you know, a lot of the vendors, um, industry experts, the regulatory bodies are taking zero trust pretty seriously. So. Um, for those of you in the US, um, there was an executive order um, telling all the government agencies, the federal government agencies, that they needed to um, implement their security um, in a zero trust manner. So obviously that's been, if you work in the government space um, in the US, you'll have been pretty busy with that. But um, in in terms of how we define it in Microsoft, there are six pillars. Um, I don't have them in front of me. So let's see if I can do this off the top of my head. No pressure. Um, oh, identity, um, endpoints, data, applications, network, and infrastructure. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. They are the they are the six uh, principles and the point of zero trust and, and like I said the concept isn't new it's been around for a while but now we're really getting into actually doing it properly it's essentially pretty much what the name says is that everything no matter what it does in your environment is explicitly verified um, that it needs the access to that thing at that time um, and it's not. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, it sounds kind of straightforward, but, you know, um, if we take networks, I always use networks as an example. Um, how we used to do networking, because I also used to be a network engineer, so this one's closer to my heart. Before, um, back before cloud and everything was on premise, what you would do is you would have a um, you would have your data center and you would have all your things in your data center and you would build up some really big and a really big external perimeter. So you might have like five firewalls. It's probably excessive, but you know what I mean? Um, you'd have like five firewalls and, and all these different things that would protect everything coming in and out of your data center. But within your data center, you know, things talking to each other internally, well, that would probably be a lot easier, right? You, you probably have some VLANs and stuff, but it, it would probably be quite straightforward that pretty much everything within your data center could access each other. Now, that is not a good idea. 
Um, and we, we use that old school setup, kind of, we use the analogy of a castle on a moat, um, that there's some big walls and you have a moat to stop your attackers getting in. But if they breach the moat, if they breach your external perimeter, they can run around like mad inside and kill all the women and children. And it's kind of, and, and, and that's the same in IT. Um, the idea with zero trust is that rather than having that massive hard perimeter, is that every single part of your IT environment, every host, every endpoint, et cetera, every time they try and access anything, they need to be explicitly verified. Like nothing is trusted by default. And the reason that we need to move to that kind of architecture is because of the way systems are now. Um, you know, you you may have some on-premise, you've probably got some cloud, you will have, uh, you will, and so, you know, you, we don't have that very fixed perimeter in the same way. Um, and we, we also say that identity is the new perimeter, which is very true because the only thing that can remain consistent throughout different clouds and on-prem, et cetera, is identity. And we can't use network anymore um, as this big solid barrier. So we have to look architecturally in a different way. Um, zero trust is definitely a journey. It's not easy. It's very easy for me to like sit here and talk about how just configure nothing to trust anything else, um, which sounds kind of straightforward, but you know, it's actually not, it's definitely a journey for everybody. Um, but I would still say my, my main advice and this, um, this is Microsoft's advice as well, is that don't be desperate to run out and buy loads of new tools to do zero trust, like review what you've already got. Um, there are a lot of zero trust controls, you know, sort of are actually um, available in your cloud for free um, or they will be the things that you need to implement zero trust will be available in your cloud for free or you may already have it in your existing security tooling so don't be desperate to jump out and, and buy something that says zero trust all over it in fact because you know you've probably got a lot of capability already because a lot of it is good security hygiene and common sense it's just way more critical now because of the nature of the environments we build and the nature of the attacks that we see um so yeah that that's um that's not telling you probably enough about honestly i could talk about zero trust like we would be here a long time but um i like i said um there's a lot of good material out there um like not just from Microsoft, from other folks as well, like go and educate yourself, but don't think that doing zero trust necessarily means you need to go out and buy loads of shiny new tools because a lot of it is just good security hygiene that you can probably do largely with your existing infrastructure. Maybe not everything, but you, you should have a look at what you've got first for sure. And is, is zero trust something that organizations can adopt on like a gradual basis? Like if, if you haven't been good to this point about using GeoTrust, have you found folks you know can kind of be successful and set a plan and say like over the next year, we want to move to zero trust and kind of do that piecemeal? Oh, definitely, definitely. In fact, I would be surprised if anybody did it any other way. Even Google who were like, um, um, they were the ones who sort of first publicly documented like implementing zero trust infrastructure, um, what, five, six, seven years ago? Oh, I, lo I lose track of time. Like they are very explicit in, um, you know, talking about how it's a journey. I know 
and Microsoft um, in, in, in adopting it internally has been a journey. It's completely unrealistic unless you, again, are just starting from scratch right now, um, that you can do zero trust all in one go. It's definitely a, a journey and a gradual thing. So Sarah, I want to talk about the book um, that you and some of your colleagues wrote. Um, but uh, briefly, before we do, um, just a quick shout out to our audience. Um, make sure to follow Pod Rocket on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or your favorite podcast app. Um, it, it helps us uh, you know, get our episodes in front of you as they air. And we uh, really appreciate you doing that and continuing to be a listener. Um, but yeah, back to the episode. So um, Sarah, can you tell us a bit more um, about the book? Oh yeah. Um, well, it's, it's, well, it's, it's, I, I'm almost like, can I call it a book? It's a study guide. I guess it's in a book format. I'm, I'm one of those people who's very like, uh, what's the word? Imposter syndrome still. So I'm like, I, I suppose it's a book. Um, but it is, um, uh, it's a exam guide for the SC200 Microsoft exam. So um, if you do do Microsoft security things, uh, last year we released some more Microsoft exams that were specifically to, to say you were qualified in Microsoft security products. There's actually four of them, I think. Uh, but I helped write the um, the exam guide for SC200, which is the security operations analyst. So that covers products like uh, Microsoft Sentinel, Microsoft Defender for Cloud, and Defender for Endpoint. So um, Defender for Endpoint, unsurprisingly, is your your endpoints. So um, you know your end devices that users use. Defender for Cloud is more um, IaaS, so servers and and platform as a service defense, and Sentinel is us um, SIEM product. I know in the US you tend to say SIM, um, but we say SIEM in my part of the world. Um, so, so it's um, security information and event management. So that's um, the kind of product that will suck up all your logs. And then it does correlation across your environment with all those logs to see if they can see, um, you know, any kind of attack or suspicious behavior. So uh, that's what it's testing on. So specifically because I, I have done a lot of work with it. I wrote the Sentinel chapter. So you can blame me me for that chapter um, of that book. But as I said, it's an exam guide. It's been written uh, by Microsoft engineers who like work really closely with the product. So um, it's if you're working on those products um, or you're wanting to get into that area, particularly in the Microsoft space, it's definitely something to, to have a look at because... Uh, um, you know, certifications are, uh, I know different people feel different ways about them, but I think definitely to, to differentiate yourself in the marketplace and show you have relevant skills, it's not a bad idea to, to have a look at doing them. So I wanted to talk a bit about the future and from, from your perspective, like, what do you think will be the most important developments or areas of investment kind of in the security ecosystem over the next couple of years? Oh, that's a massive question. <laughs> um, I, I don't think, and just my opinion, I don't think, I think what we need to do at this point, I don't foresee, unless we get some really funky new attacks, and maybe we will. I mean, essentially, if, if you look at it at a high level, security hasn't changed that much over the years. And what I mean by that is that, um, there are always people looking to exploit systems uh, for various different reasons. Um, you know, 
money. Um, it can be state sponsored. Um, sometimes it's just script kiddies, the people who hack just because they can. And, and, and that's, and they're always just looking to, um, you know, exploit systems again for, for different types of reasons. And as they, find new ways to exploit things we as the defenders find new ways to defend against it and and security's always you know we, we we're always trying to be on the front foot uh, but you know as, as soon as we come up with things attackers look at new ways to get around it so i think but i think um so i, I think that's just going to continue uh i, I think that what will be interesting and, and what's become interesting to me since I started in the security industry, uh, which was a while ago now, because now security is cool. When I joined security, it wasn't cool. Um, like no one really wanted to do security work, to be honest with you. But I think in the last sort of six, seven, eight years, um, cybersecurity has become much more ingrained in the general public consciousness. Um, and because of that, it's become more sort of um, it's 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 more in the consciousness of governments, regulatory bodies, and sea level people. You know, people who lead companies, and so they know that they have to pay attention to this and do things about it. I mean, recently here in Australia, um, in the last couple of weeks, you may or may not be aware there have been a couple of very high profile uh, breaches um, from some very big well-known companies over here. Um, and the news has been full of discussions about um, cybersecurity. Lots of people are worried um, about their, 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 their data and their details being stolen. Um, but the point being is that I think that it, it's impossible to ignore um, some people used to like pride themselves on basically ignoring security and being like, I just need to get this done. I don't care what security says. And I think that that thought is going away. I also think, um, we're not really mature in this space, but, uh, we're getting there is that everyone in an IT role has to take a degree of responsibility for security. There's always going to be a place for security specific professionals, but if you touch an IT environment, you're going to have a degree of responsibility for security. If we look at devs and doing DevOps, we're probably, you know, we're going to ask even more of people like devs who traditionally wouldn't care about security, would just send their code away to be reviewed by security, and then security would send them a list back to fix it. Doing agile and doing DevOps, that's not how things are going, you know, devs will have to step up and do a bit more. Uh, and so it's going to be interesting. I think that we're just going to see a growth in maturity in that area and a better acceptance. We're definitely getting there that, you know, everyone in IT has to take a degree of responsibility for security, um, no matter what your role is. Um, uh, that's end users, that's admins, it's everybody because security proliferates everything, which is a good thing, but also a challenging thing because it's not sort of boxed like other parts of IT, you know, devs develop code. Um, say, so like, well, you say your traditional Wintel team, they dealt with Windows servers. Security is everywhere and it touches everything. And so, it, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think the thing that concerns me most about security at the moment is that I still think that um, because essentially, if you're connected to the internet, which everybody is, 
you are open to attacks. Um, and you're open to exactly the same attacks, whether you're a big sort of Fortune 500 company or whether you're like mom and dad's shop down the road. Like you, you're all subject to potentially the same kind of attacks. And I guess the, the thing that I think is challenging is because we have a security skills shortage anyway, is that um, for the companies that have the money and the resource, they're already scrapping over security people. What about these small businesses that can't afford anybody that are maybe doing security on the side? They are still open to the same the same, uh, you know, risks that, that other businesses are. And so we need to help them as well. So I think what I hope happens, um, and I think it will, but it's a slow process is that basically the whole population, not even just the IT industry needs to kind of uplift their security maturity and understanding because that's, what's going to, you know, make things more difficult. The, The fact is that the majority of attacks and hacks are just looking for easy targets. They're not as complicated as people say. Um, so, you know, often when, when a big company is breached, they will say, this was a very sophisticated attack. And, and the reality is often it wasn't. It was bad security hygiene, you know, lazy configuration, but no one's going to say that publicly, but that is often the case. And so I'm hoping that, and and that stuff can be really easily avoided by good security hygiene, um, which is very boring stuff. We've been talking about it for years. We'll continue to talk about it. But, you know, the research shows um, Microsoft does its own security research and we release it annually and it, um, the new one is due any moment now so keep an eye out for it it's called the digital defense report but they um you know something insane like 85 90% of initial breaches would have been prevented through good security hygiene and by security hygiene i mean patching on time um principle of least privilege for access, et cetera. And, and so what I really hope happens is that rather than pursuing, um, and not that there isn't a place for security tools, that 100% is, um, but that we need to always get back to those basics of doing those basics right before we go and chase and purchase all those shiny tools, because that's actually where you most bang for your buck and your um, impact and lowering your risk is. That was a long rant, I realize. Possibly not an answer, not a direct answer to your question, but that is that is my personal feelings on, on the situation. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I mean, it's super interesting and helpful. Um, and I have one last question. And, you know, a lot of our audience, I think, tends to be kind of folks adjacent to or focusing on kind of the front end in general. And so, what would your thoughts be like for folks who are primarily front end engineers? Like, what should they be thinking about in terms of like, to the extent they think about security? Like, what should be top of mind for a front end dev today? Yeah, so it's a really good question, and I think for front end devs, you know, go in. Um, I mean, I know front end can be a range of things, but go in. You know, keep abreast of what's make sure you know what your good practices are for good security practices for developing something on the front end. So, you know, if it's a web app, which let's face it, most apps are nowadays, you know, make sure 
you're familiar with the OWASP top 10. Um, if you don't know OWASP, it's Open Web Application Security Project. It's uh, it's a foundation that they release. Um, it's every year, every couple of years, they release the top 10 kind of most exploited things um, on, on web on on web apps, you know, make sure you know what these things are and try and not, you know, you know, do your code. So you're avoiding these things. I mean, security and good coding practices generally go quite closely together. So it shouldn't be too much of a stretch from what you're doing at the moment. But also if you're not sure, and this is something if, if you're not sure, because I mean, that's a very general comment, but go and have a conversation with your security teams. Um, traditionally, I know people didn't want to go talk to security because security were the no people and they would say no and they wouldn't help you. But going to this DevOps thing, if you have a conversation with security early about what they expect or, or what things they do and don't want you to do, make sure you build that into your process, that will make everybody's lives much easier Um, because what you don't want is to spend forever developing something and then security comes and puts their foot down right at the end saying oh we don't like the way this is built blah 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 Um, and security are also bad at this I will say Um, that dialogue between um, dev teams and, and security isn't amazing so that they're the two things I would go and do um as a front end dev it's um like very go you know go and keep abreast like like security stuff is very interesting I think even if it's not your focus I mean I'm biased of course but security is really interesting and you know some of the ways um when I when I read reports of some of the ways people exploit all kinds of things blows my mind and I think you know being aware of the kind of crazy things attackers will do and the lengths they will go to 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 get the access they want is is pretty stunningly scary sometimes um i know um uh, recently at ignite one of my colleague uh, some of my colleagues um from our detection and response team who are called dart they um they, they are microsoft's incident responders so you can call them and they will come and like save you um, if you're being um, attacked, essentially. Um, they have some amazing stories. Um, of course, um, they don't usually, they can talk publicly about the things they do, but of course we can't talk about specifically who it was we went to see and things like that. But they recently did a talk, which is online, um, on ransomware. And it is scary. It is scary. Like, and and like the, the, the kind of stuff they see and 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 this this yeah um so i would say as a dev just go become more aware um just make yourself aware of what is out there because when i've had conversations with devs um it's not that devs um front end and back end are, are like it doesn't matter who here um you know sometimes i know security are are um guilty of sort of looking down a bit at devs and being like, oh, you wouldn't understand this. Oh, no, 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 it's too complicated. Security is a lot of common sense, but learning to have that dialogue and speaking the same language as each other is really important. Um, and so you're all on the same page. I think that I've seen some amazing partnerships between devs and security when everyone's sort of open to having that discussion and working more closely. Unfortunately, kind of behaviors of the past and cultures of the past make that difficult sometimes. So that would be my, my advice, but 
go and go and listen to some security talks. Just put it on in the background, particularly the the tales from the trenches type talks, because some of that stuff is scary. Let me tell you. <laughs> well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it's been great having you on the podcast, and I've certainly enjoyed learning a bit more about the world of security. Um, we will put a link to some of the things we've talked about in the episode description. Um, and also, once again, just a reminder, folks out there, please um, like and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, but yeah, well, thanks again, Sarah. Thanks for having me.